Welcome to the Infinity Initiative, a 10th anniversary Marvel Cinematic Universe movie rewatch podcast. Episode 16, Spider-Man Homecoming. Hello there! Welcome to the Infinity Initiative. Avengers Infinity War is just over the horizon, or around the corner, or down the street, or knocking on my door right now. To prepare, we're watching all the MCU movies in order. My name is Stuart, and I'm joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello! We're big MCU fans and are super excited to rewatch these movies. So let's dive into John Watts' 2017 Spider-Man Homecoming. Hey, Christiana, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm excited to talk about this movie because I like it. Because it's a good movie and it's a good Spider-Man movie. Yeah. It's way mm-hmm. better than the Andrew Garfield All movies. those things. <laughs> way better. You know, I I will say that I'm a little bit of an apologist for those. I think they're better than their, their – uh, I think they've, they've started to get a bad rap that I don't think is entirely fair. That said, I do like this one better. Yeah. I, I thought I, Andrew Garfield did a great job as Peter. Um, I think they the movies had a lot of good about them, but uh, ultimately, you know. The, the way I think of <laughs> it is. I'm not defending them as the best ones. I'm just right. saying they're not as bad as people say. I think That's this, my opinion. I think Tobey Maguire was a better Spider-Man, and I think Andrew Garfield is a better Peter Parker. I think Tom Holland is a better both. Mm. I, I, I reject the distinction. <laughs> Hot take controversy. Uh, there you go. Christiana rejects the <laughs> distinction. <laughs> fla, 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 papers um, all over the place. <laughs> well, what I what I think that um, Andrew Garfield did bring, um, which was somewhat missing in the Tobey Maguire versions is the, the humor, the snappy patter. But I don't think that was Tobey Maguire's fault. That was just Sam Raimi's style. I think Yeah, um, he, less focused on that. He's more of a, uh, I mean, if you look at the evil dead movies, they're funny, but kind mm-hmm. of in a dark humor way. Right. Right. And, and the humor is more situational and less jokey. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like, uh, the, the, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man were definitely in that less jokey type of humor way. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. <laughs> do you remember watching this? Of course you do. It was like oh, yeah. six weeks ago. <laughs> I was I was there opening weekend. Um, Spider-Man is like ever since I was a little kid, Spider-Man's been my favorite superhero. I could, you know, turn around and look at my bookshelf right now, and I have probably seven different Spider-Man toys just in the room with me at the moment. Wow. Um, so I, I I remember my mom when I was little making me Spider-Man gloves that were just basically <laughs> black yarn webs sewed onto red socks. Perfect. <laughs> That I Perfect. wore on my hands as Spider-Man gloves. Um, but yeah, so I've I've been uh, Spider-Man. I've been a Spider-Man fan all my life. And one of the things that was a source of heartache to me when the MCU started to come together was just this whole thing of like, but but Spider-Man, but <laughs> Spider-Man should be there and he's not. And he can't be. And it was so sad. <laughs> but, but then, but then Kevin Feige 
got into his big, huge truck full of money with the big mouse ears on it. Uh-huh. And he started backing up, and you hear the beep, beep, beep coming yeah. from a mile away. And, and Sony was sitting there going, huh, I wonder if that truck is backing up towards me. And sure enough, it was. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 whole deal that they worked out is kind of hilarious, really, because it was this whole sort of thing of uh, Marvel saying, OK, look, we know that when we were having tro- you know, money troubles, we sold you the rights and they're really valuable. And you know that and we know that. But can we please make a better movie than you seem capable of? Because right. we would really like to. And if you want the money, then that's fine. Just let us have the character, please. Right. And, and so Sony's then, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. You want to just slap our name on something <laughs> and make a really good movie that's going to make us lots of money. You know, I think I have something on there. I'm a genius! <laughs> is, what, yeah. is what the big mustache twirling guys at sony did um they're right, not right. they're not it, mustache twirling and they're not guys i don't think uh <laughs> so yeah <laughs> kevin feige and amy pascal go back i i think from what i understand they're good friends and so it makes sense that they sort of you know i imagine there was some around the uh ping pong table conversations going you know what would be really awesome is if we could get our hands on spider-man and mm-hmm. amy pascal going yeah you know that might be cool how much money yeah. are you willing to spend? So that's what they yeah. did. Well, I'm I'm really glad they worked it out just because um, I I feel like Spider-Man belongs in the MCU. Um, that said, what what I will briefly register as a personal opinion that is not really a complaint about the movie in any way, as much as a general dis- du- you know a discussion of the direction of the MCU, which is just that my personal favorite Spider-Man is grown-up Spider-Man, not high school Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. And so I would, as a standalone Spider-Man movie, I would have preferred, because think about like Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man 2. You know, like he's in the world, right? Like even Mm -hmm. when he's theoretically in college, we see him out there trying to work a job. He has his own place. Um, I like, I, and in the comics that were, you know, a lot of what I enjoyed Spider-Man in, he, you know, it wasn't all high school drama. Now that said, when we talk about the MCU gestalt and what they needed, like what was the missing piece that Spider-Man's going to help bring them, it makes perfect sense that what they need is a young Spider-Man. Yeah. They need it for chemistry. Yeah. They need a kid and they need, um, someone to to be kind of awestruck at this whole world, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. th- and that comes through in Homecoming when, especially when mm-hmm. they're sitting there watching um, a Cap give the PE message, right? Do you know him? Yeah, I took a shield. Oh, cool. You know those sorts of things, right. and that makes sense in um, in the MCU and for the MCU. Yeah. So I think that it was probably the right decision from that perspective, but it's more just a matter of just my, my own personal preference for Spider-Man as a character. I think the more interesting Spider-Man stories happen as he starts getting a little older. Um, because I, I, I think 
see what it comes down to is this movie made a very, very smart decision to not retell the origin again. And they did that for a couple of reasons, obviously one is they, they, you know, would have had to flash back to do that because we saw him already active in civil war. But, uh, just the fact that we had the Raimi version and we had the Andrew Garfield, you know, uh, version. Um, it's interesting actually that I say the Raimi version, who's the director and then the Andrew Garfield, who's the actor, but that's beside the point. The point is <laughs> they recognized people know the origin already. We do mm-hmm. not have to tell it again. People Mm-mm. know it already. And people are just going to roll their eyes if they, if we show it again. And so the decision to skip past that, I think was, really smart but by the same token i felt like you could just do the whole thing by skipping past the high school bit but as a broader storytelling thing for the universe it makes perfect sense why they went with you know young spider-man yeah i i first for one i mean i sent the re the real reason they skipped past it is because they read all the tweets that i sent them and saying (laughs) (laughs) you know please don't make me watch ben die again yes because I really don't want to see Uncle Ben die again. Um, well, it's just like how many times we've had to see um, Bruce Wayne's parents die. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, mm-hmm. Krypton get blown up. Yeah. And there's So there's... Th- As a total tangent, yeah. the new Krypton TV series on sci-fi is actually not terrible. I, I've watched about four and a half minutes of it, and I can agree. Yeah, well, you know, without getting too far down that road, I'm actually a little bit irritated uh, that it's good because on general principle, I wanted to dislike it. So Right, right. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, I there's like three or four major superheroes or three or four superheroes mm-hmm. that you can that everybody knows their right. identity, their identity and their origin story. Um, Superman, yeah. Batman and probably Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and like with Spider-Man, the whole thing that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, it's it's a joke at this point. Right. Like, there, there's almost no way to do that line straight. They have to do it as like an in-joke because it's it's so known now that it's cliche. Well, and, and, and to that point, you know, we haven't even seen it. We haven't even seen um, – nobody's even said it. Nobody's even hinted at it. I mean, maybe Robert Downey Jr. kind of did in the um, or Tony Stark kind of did when he was when he was uh, talking via Wi-Fi <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to to him. Maybe yeah. kind of in there, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't remember if there was like a jokey version of it at some point. I I I feel like I there was, and I can't remember now. Maybe it wasn't in this one. Maybe it was actually in Civil War or something, but. Um, uh, but, because I feel like someone in the MCU has said a version of it, but even if they don't say the line, it's still baked into this story, which I love. Yeah, and it is still ingrained so much. Uh, the other awesome thing that you know we didn't see in this movie or in Homecoming, and the first time we actually saw it wasn't in the Infinity War trailer, was Spidey Sense. You know, Spidey mm, Sense is yeah. so ingrained into into the lexicon of superheroes that mm-hmm. the first time you saw it was on a 30-second spot. Yeah, I watched it 10,000 times, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the first time you yeah. saw Spidey Sense. And so I, I think that they did a really good job with this and with treating the Spider-Man character like 
somebody we already know because we do, you know, we do. Yeah. Well, there was obviously a very deliberate decision to steer away from some of the things that are expected from a Spider-Man movie, Mm -hmm. like the origin story. And for example, just the idea of having Spider-Man swinging around on the skyscrapers. Like that doesn't happen in this movie. I think the tallest building he's ever on other than the Washington monument, which itself is new, um, is like four story buildings, uh, you know, near the elevated trade tracks, right? Like they don't show him in downtown Manhattan swinging on the big skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, that's gotta be a very deliberate decision to try to separate themselves from the previous movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also really appreciated the, um, the the eighties comedy, teen comedy type of feel. I mean, the, when he's running through the backyard, I'm sitting there mm-hmm. watching, oh, this is a Ferris. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're yeah. showing Ferris Bueller now just to make sure you get it. It's a little bonk yeah. bonk on the head, but I totally well, laughed and I loved it. So, you know, I, I had that same reaction, which was, uh, in the theater recognizing, Hey, this is like Ferris Bueller. And then they show the clip of Ferris Bueller. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. That's a little on the nose, isn't it? And then realizing, Oh, wait, no, about 80% of the audience is going to be younger than me and won't have seen Ferris Bueller, <laughs> which is terrible, but at yeah. the same time, you know. Yeah, well. But uh, yes, I agree. I, I liked the context there, especially just because they're working on this, this like, you know, what, what I was saying about the skyscrapers. I mean, they actually have the joke of him having to run <laughs> across a golf course and just saying, this sucks. Right. And, <laughs> and that, on. you know, that shot from so far back and Peter yeah. Parker's just, a, or Spider-Man, just a tiny little red blop, you know, going across mm-hmm. the, going across the, the, the full width of the screen. You know, that's a yeah. really good shot. Um, mm-hmm. Really well imagined. Um, yeah. I think the other thing that really sets this movie apart from a lot of the other MCU movies is um, the villain. Michael yeah. Keaton as uh, as Vulture. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he is he is a great, great villain. And I think part of yeah. that is because, you know, okay, who is the best Batman, Christiana? Oh, um, mm, let me think. Um, you know, I'm actually, uh, well, it's the, the tones are so different. Um, right, right, right. Because I, I have a soft spot for Clooney actually in this movie, <laughs> even though that movie is so dumb. I feel like he, I feel like he had, he plays the character that fits in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They're so different. I can't really pick a favorite, but you know, I mean. you you were trying to get me to say michael keaton right right but you would agree (laughs) that michael keaton definitely um worked really hard to define the batman that we sort of know right now right he's an iconic you know i ought to rewatch those i haven't seen them in forever no really just watch the first one really (laughs) don't don't worry about returns um oh come on that one's good yeah i guess if you like Catwoman. (laughs) <laughs> uh but but michael keaton as batman mm-hmm. is is an iconic character right a lot of people know him a lot of people um mm-hmm. really appreciate him i personally would have answered um christian christian bale bale i almost yeah. said Kristen bell which is <laughs> not batman <laughs> no. yes i almost mm-hmm. I, I i personally think christian bell was the better um 
Christian Bale was the better Batman. But that's my personal opinion. Well, see, that's that's why I struggled, I think, to pick a favorite is because the tones of the movies are so different. Because, for example, Christian Bale is a very serious, you know, kind of humorless, not winking at the camera, very grim take on the character, which fits what Nolan is doing in his movies, Right. right? But, you know, the Tim Burton movies and then the other, you know, the other non-Burton. Joel Schumacher. Um, other one, yeah, the, like those are those are doing something different. They're not right. telling the same kind of story that the, the Nolan trilogy are, mm-hmm. right? So it would be mis- like if you tried to put Christian Bale's take on the character in Batman and Robin or Batman Forever, <laughs> like it would make no sense. No. Right. No. So anyway, um, I mean, we're kind of on a Batman tear now. But what I'll say is that when they, when you know, the early buzz came out saying first that the villain was going to be the vulture, I was like, oh, really? Um, and then there was going to be Michael Keaton, and I was like, huh, okay. But I'll certainly say that as presented, it's amazing. I I think that they they took the character of Vulture which I feel like was chosen not because Vulture in the abstract is all that interesting, but just because it's like, well, what's what's one of the character, the villains that has big name recognition that hasn't really been done already? The two things I did not want to see in this movie was Green Goblin and with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. are the two things I right. didn't want to see. And, and we weren't, so it didn't happen. Um, right. And so they came up with a take on the character that did so much work for this movie, because mm-hmm. first of all, I mean, Keaton's great in the role. Like he's a great actor. I mean, he's going to be great it's, as long as they give him, you know, meat to chew on. Right. But the way of integrating the story with the larger Marvel universe of having him be the blue collar guy who gets screwed over by Tony Stark yeah. And yeah. that's his motivation. That's fantastic. I love that angle. And and screwed over by Tony Stark, but not in Sokovia, not far away. Right. Not, mm-hmm. you know, like like Alfred Woodard in Civil War, you know, my son died when you dropped a building on him or whatever. But that was in a yeah. place far, far away, right? Mm-hmm. That land literally doesn't even exist. It exists in the movie, but it's not real, right? New York is a real place. Right. And mm-hmm. and people going to see these movies probably are, or at least know someone who is, this blue-collar type, work-a-day type, trying to get through the day, trying to just provide for their family, you know, type of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that totally works, you know, when you're watching this and he's just like, look, I got a family to feed. You're like, yeah, so do I. But what, yeah, what, what I love though about the character is the baked in hypocrisy that's there too, because on the one hand, he's got that real identifiable angle and we can understand his anger when he loses out on this contract that, you know, it's like I was, you know, I bought trucks for this job. I thought this was all taken care of. And now bureaucracy is, is brushing me aside. You can totally understand his anger. And maybe that's why he got started here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when he's trying to give Peter this speech about, oh, they don't care about guys like us. I've got a daughter to feed. Think about the house they live in. Right. <laughs> right. Think about the car he drives. He is a rich, rich man now because of his crimes. Right. He's not feeding his daughter. He is getting her in the best private school and in living in the right. super nice house. 
And yeah, so I mean, there's this built in thing of like, it's one thing to get this righteous indignation that, oh, the rich guys don't care about guys like us when who is, you know, at, at what point it <laughs> did Adrian Toomes, uh, how much is he really caring about the li- little guy at this point? Right. right. Not very much. He's no. just built it all in his head that that's what he's doing. And I, I love that complexity to it, the nuance there. That's, that is a great complexity, and it works really well, especially when you compare that to um, Tony Stark and the Avengers and, and what they're yeah. doing. Because um, Tony Stark is entitled and he, you know, he, he does have all of those flaws, but he also really kind of owns it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in some ways, um, and, you know, I mean, there's so much we could talk about in this movie. Um, <laughs> like there, uh, one of the things that I was really surprised about, um, in picking up on the rewatch is how many clues there are that Tony really was paying attention to everything that Peter sent him. Right. Right. Um, the fact that, you know, like there's lots of clues about like, um, you know, the, in the first conversation they have, um, was like, you know, stick to the churro thing, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever that was just in a random voicemail that, um, Peter left for happy. Right. And Tony references it. And we don't, and it's easy to blow past that when we're not in a rewatch mode. But the fact that Tony was paying attention, Mm -hmm. but didn't give Peter any of the validation or response that's what Peter was looking for. So Peter did these things. It's like, oh, sure, you went out on your own and you didn't trust, you know, you didn't, you know, we had it taken care of. We called the FBI because we were listening to you. And Peter's like, you could have told me that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I think if, <laughs> if Tony has one failing in this movie and, you know, Tony fails a lot in everything, but if yeah. Tony has one failing in this movie, it's that he didn't listen to Peter Parker. You know, he yeah. didn't, he didn't hear him when he was saying it. Now they could have been yeah. happy, you know, not filtering everything or whatever. Right. Well, No, but, but we got the impression that he was getting that information passed along to him, yeah. but, but Tony struggles with emotional intimacy. I mean, that's, uh, that's been a flaw for him since Iron Man one. Right. Right. And it's like still continuing. That, right. And so this idea that he sees Peter as, um, sort of a surrogate son in some ways like mm-hmm. this, I want you to be better thing. And I think also post civil war, this recognition of like, what if I had gotten this kid killed? Yeah. That's why I've got to keep him at arm's length because he wants to do these big things. I've got to keep him where he's safer. Mm-hmm. And if I open up to him too much, he'll want to do these bigger things before he's ready, but he doesn't have the, uh, the emotional, you know, the EQ to use a, you know, a mid nineties buzzword, the emotional intelligence, right? He doesn't have the emotional intelligence to recognize that, in his attempt to keep Peter at street level, he's essentially just being non-communicative and giving Peter no understanding whatsoever of what the situation is. Do you think Peter's and Tony's resolution at the end of the movie was earned? I think that it was a situation where Tony didn't ever really 
own up to the things that he did wrong. Like he tried to make amends without actually saying what he did wrong. You know what I mean? And to some extent, I feel like there's a recognition from Peter that that's something that's hard for Tony and he's essentially going to let it slide. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the impression I get is Peter is saying, look, I was really mad. You know, I was, I let was led into doing something that turned out really bad because I wasn't hearing from you. And it turns out you were listening, but I had no way to know that. And then all of, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you took the, the suit away, even though that ended up working out all right. But at the same time, there's this recognition of it's very clear you do actually care about me. And that means more than those other things, even though those were irritating. Mm-hmm. So we have a movie in like three weeks, right? Two weeks, mm. two and a half weeks, something like that. I know. It's the 27th. Yeah. It's the 27th. So. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Wherein he gets his iron spider suit. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. How do you <laughs> think he gets his iron spider suit? Well, mm, it's a good question because um, obviously, first of all, I, I think it's interesting just to note that it does look like it's, it's slightly different than the one we see uh, mm-hmm. at the end of Homecoming. But that makes sense. That could just be an aesthetic thing. It maybe isn't intended to be different per se. It's just, you know, besides Tony's always iterating his armor anyway. So right. um, <laughs> I didn't so give you the, the Mark I Iron Spider suit, but here's the Mark 15. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't like that one, but I've already improved it in like 50 ways. So, (laughs) um, my guess would be that Peter gets involved when something happens and maybe it's the scene we see in the trailer where he sees the ship across town while he's in the bus, right? Like maybe that's when it happens is that he, he inserts himself into the middle prior to getting it. Mm -hmm. And it, and at that point, you know, he, he gets involved with the other heroes there and it becomes dire enough that, um, uh, Tony's going to just say, okay, I've got to give you the, the other suit. Like it'll become a a moment of, I've either got to tell you to go home and do nothing, which didn't work very well the last time (laughs) we tried that. So let's try this instead. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm excited to see that movie. And I think it's of note that, or it's interesting that we only see a few shots of Peter Parker, only a very few shots of Peter Parker. So in all the trailers and all the media. So I'm more, you know, that, that kind of helps you draw a conclusion about something that might happen, but knowing the Russo brothers, it's going to be completely different than you imagine. So, well, I mean, I think I, uh, um, I, I think that um, only seeing a few shots of Peter Parker doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's a big cast, right? I right. mean, because we've got all of these different characters that we're going to focus on. And there's already going to just, by necessity for storytelling, about half of the characters we're excited to see in this movie are going to get like four lines of dialogue <laughs> or something, right? I mean, that's just unavoidable with this many characters, in, unless the story is going to be a mess otherwise, unless they just pick a few to focus on. And so it might just be that, you know, he gets a few scenes to justify his presence there, um, and he's going to be in the action sequences in the costume. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, but then that's, you know, I, I don't know that we need that much of Peter. Like this is not a Peter story. It's a, it's a universe scope story, right. cosmic scale. Right. Right. So yeah. speaking of cosmic scale, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. You ready? Ooh, I'm ready. Okay. You, you probably didn't study, but maybe you did. <laughs> we know there are six infinity stones. We right. know where five of them are. Can mm-hmm. you name them or at least get close and tell me where they are? Um, I don't think that I'm going to be able to give all the specific detail. Um, there was, so like in terms of like, which gem is, which there is the one that was in Loki's staff originally, which I believe is the mind gem and it's currently powering vision. Yep. That's one. Um, there was the ether, which I don't remember which gem that was supposed to be. That was in the Thor dark world. And that was locked up. Um, that was the one they gave to the collector mm-hmm. because they didn't want it in the same place as the uh, the uh, uh, cosmic cube, which was in Odin's vault. Mm-hmm. So it was in, with the collector. We don't know if it was in the same place as the collector's base that they went to in Guardians of the Galaxy. That it got exploded. Right, so we we haven't seen it since it was delivered to the collector prior to that happening. So it could be lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, very right. Good. Yes. Um, uh, the cosmic cube is currently in Loki's possession, following the end of um, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I guess we're inferring that he grabbed it because we see him look at it as he walks by, and right. I think he has it. Yeah. Um, it's not a big leap, I don't think, to, <laughs> to right. that he grabbed it. Right. Um, yeah, so, um, I'm pretty sure he has it. Um, so, and then, uh, the, the purple one from Guardians of the Galaxy was with the Nova Corps, mm-hmm. um, on, uh, Spartax, is that the word, uh, the planet? Um, beats me. I, w- I just said Nova Corps. Oh. So you, you know what? I'm going to give you uh. an extra point. For, for uh, being able to, to name the to name where the the, the Nova Corps is, I, I I'm not 100 percent sure that uh, I have the name of the planet right. It's something like that, but yeah, it was right. given to Nova Prime to put in their um in their box. And so let's see, that's um got Cosmic Cube, Ether, Purple Thing, <laughs> Mind Gem. Um oh, I'm missing because there's one that hasn't been accounted for at all yet, right? That's so the I'm trying to remember stone. what. You don't have to worry about the soul stone. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the the what was the other one? Oh, right, the eye of uh, Agam- Agamemnon. No, um, <laughs> not Agamemnon. The uh, but from Doctor Strange. The right. and that's presumably the time gem. Right. The eye it, of Agamotto. That's it. The eye yeah. of Agamotto is with Doctor Strange right now. So right. Space- so I don't I don't have the names of the gems for all of them, but uh, yeah. You did. I, I'm going to give you a passing grade plus an extra <laughs> point. So you did very Ooh. well. You did very well. You do not have to tie up Malcolm McDowell in a chair to get a uh, passing grade. And if you get that reference, we should talk. Um, so great. Thank you for coming on, <laughs> Christiana. Oh, sure. This, this was a fun time as usual. Happy I have too. one more question for you. What's your okay. favorite MCU movie up to this point? Including Black Panther. Uh, there's so... You know what? I... I have to, there, there's so many that are very good, mm-hmm. but 
as far as a personal favorite, I think I just still have to go with Guardians of the Galaxy because it just did something so different at that point. And I have some personal emotional baggage tied up in liking that movie specifically. Right. Um, but I also, I mean, there's so many other great ones. And so it's, uh, but I, I think if I had to pick one, that would be it. Great. Thank you for rewatching Spider-Man with us. I hope you enjoy. Oh. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Did you? I did. Yes. <laughs> if you would like to share your thoughts with us, head on over to welcome to level com forward slash feedback, where you will find a great many ways to keep this conversation going. Welcome to the infinity initiative is a member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award-winning podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Once again, thank you for listening. Next episode, Thor Ragnarok.